Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Michael Aceta. I am the owner of Matador Canine Brilliance, author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, and host of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. Thank you for being here. Today, we are talking about the variable schedule as it relates to fear. Dogs being afraid and anxious and overwhelmed by certain situations and how the variable schedule actually hurts us when we are trying to improve their confidence and work on building up their certainty in new environments. Thank you for listening. We have a couple of quick announcements and then we're going to jump right into it. The Dog Training Cheat Codes is now available at matadorcanine.com. You can download the ebook for your phone or tablet, or if you're like me and you like holding the book, you can order the physical copy. In other news, we are in the beginning stages of launching our dog training planner and notebook, giving you a simple, structured, and effective way to take notes and track your training progress. Right now, that is only available to Matador University students. If you are interested in signing up for Matador University and getting access to not only the dog training planner, but also online courses covering obedience and behavior and other PDF downloads, you can check that out at matadorcanine.com. The last announcement for the day is that we are now selling Matador merch. If you would like to support us as we grow, check out the hats, sweatshirts, and other training gear that we have. Thank you for listening to Acknowledge Dogs. Let's jump into it. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The variable reward schedule. I talk about it constantly. I think it is one of the greatest secrets in dog training that nobody talks about, and I have no idea why no one talks about it. It's literally the difference between having a dog that is so reliable, so consistent that you don't need treats versus a dog that barely listens if you have nothing on you, right? You don't have a treat on you. You don't have a toy on you. That dog's not listening, especially, especially if you haven't done the variable reward schedule. So for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, this is your first episode listening to the Acknowledged Dogs podcast, or you haven't seen me on social media, on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram, talking at great lengths about the variable schedule. I'll quickly go over it. To understand the variable schedule, you have to understand that there are different reward schedules that we can use to influence how our dog performs a behavior. When we start teaching our dog something, super simple, let's say sit, we reward every single time our dog does the behavior. This is called a continuous reward schedule. It happens every single time they do something. Same thing happens with people. Right? You do something and you get rewarded for it, let's say going to work. The best example I can think is when I was younger, you got paid almost daily when you did something, right? Someone gave you a couple bucks because you did something right. You're like, oh, awesome. The next day, if you did something good again, then maybe they gave you a couple more. This is like that allowance. You've earned money pretty consistently day in or day out or weekly, right? You could get a, a, a little stipend at the end of your week. But first, first jobs typically do a one week or kind of day thing. So you get paid very, very consistently. 
As you move up in life and as you get bigger and bigger jobs, it might go from daily and weekly to bi-weekly to monthly to then a salary where it really doesn't matter how much work you do in a particular week or month, but you get a certain payment throughout the entire year. And that might be broken down monthly or whatever. But point being, the amount of space that you have to work, the amount of time you have to work in order to get that reinforcement is varied. But it starts off continuous. You get paid very consistently, almost daily, if not weekly or biweekly. So with our dogs, when we're teaching them new behaviors, we're going to reward them consistently over and over and over. Every repetition gets a treat. Every repetition gets to play. Every repetition gets praise. And we repeat this cycle until we are confident that our dog knows what the behavior is. Once they know what the behavior is, we got to move on. Otherwise, they get bored. Okay. If I gave you pizza every single day and you love pizza, whatever the food is for you, just subject that there. For me, it's pizza. I love pizza. But there's going to come a point where I get sick and tired of pizza. It's going to be no longer reinforcing and I'm going to look for other avenues of reinforcement. Maybe the pizza can get varied a little bit. Maybe I want pepperoni on it. Maybe I want sausage on it. Maybe I want veggies on it, whatever it is. What ends up happening is if there's too much consistency, we get bored. Think about doing the same thing every single day. You wake up at 9 a.m., you get the coffee, you skipped breakfast, you're running off to work, you get stuff in traffic, you have a meeting at 9, 10, whatever it is, right? There's going to be a certain level of consistency where you're just, it's mundane, it's boring, you no longer have to think about it. And what happens is the brain stops thinking about the new adventure and getting the dopamine because it's the same thing every day. Your, your brain gets bored. Maybe it's not you that gets bored. Your, act, your actual brain gets bored because it's no longer having to think. It's no longer having to piece together parts of your life and figure out where certain things fit. Ooh, how, how can we get more dopamine? How can, we, how can we get a different type of dopamine? So that's what your brain starts doing. They start jumping around, doing all these different things. You've seen it. You do five days in a row and now you need a break and you got to do something on the weekend. You have to do something on the weekend. Because during the week, you were so routine that it became mundane. There wasn't as much excitement as you would have liked. Some people do this by accident. <laughs> some people do, you know, a month of mundaneness and then some tragic event happens. And they're like, oh, no, how is that going to happen? And realistically, they might have done it to themselves. I know plenty of people that sabotage themselves just so they can fix it. Oh, no, you know, the, the car, man, it, it really needs new tires. Why? <laughs> Your tires are fine. <laughs> but for that person, they are steadfast on the fact that they have to do something. And they can't think of anything else besides something that's catastrophic, like, oh, my God, I need to get new tires. And I have to get new tires today. Can't wait till tomorrow or next week or when the tires actually need to be changed. No, I got to get new tires today because I'm so bored with the mundane every single day consistency. And that's what happens with our dogs when we use a continuous reward schedule too much. If you're rewarding every single repetition for too long, your dog becomes accustomed to it. And they go, okay, I know I'm getting a treat. I'm going to get a treat whether I'm there in five seconds or I'm there in 20 seconds. I'm going to get a treat whether I respond slow or not. I'm going to get a treat if I half do it, right? If I do a sit, but my butt's floating and the criteria said that the butt has to be on the ground. I'm going to get a treat if I still jump up on somebody, but then I sit afterwards. We have to raise the criteria, but we also have to sharpen 
and control the reward schedule. So we move into what's called an intermittent reward schedule or a fixed ratio schedule. This is the stepping stone to the variable schedule and you have to do the intermittent schedule. People just jump to the variable schedule and that's not what we want. That creates an inconsistency. The continuous builds the behavior and makes it solid. We, we have the precision down. Our dog knows exactly what we want them to do for the continuous schedule. Now the intermittent schedule says, okay, keep doing that level of the behavior, whatever that behavior may be, okay? Whatever they're doing, we get it as good as we possibly can. And we say, okay, now you got to do it at that level every single time I ask you to do it, regardless if I give you a treat or not. And it's called the fixed ratio because we're going to pick a ratio. We always start off with one to one. That's continuous. Then we move to a two to one. So I'm going to ask for the sit. I'm going to get my dog to move. I'm going to get him up. I'm going to release him. We're going to play around. Then I'm going to ask him to sit again and then reward that. Now you might say, oh, well, isn't the playing or the releasing being a reward? Absolutely. It can be. So it depends on the behavior you're working on. In the situation I gave, let's say playing is rewarding or you're using play as reward. You might say sit then okay to get them up and just let them meander about for a second. You don't get to play. You don't do anything. Then you ask them for a sit again. If freedom is the reward, then we might ask for a sit, then a different behavior, let's say a down, then to ask for a sit a second time and reward that second sit. This gets tricky because we don't want to get into routines. So you might have to have a, a couple behaviors in your repertoire, right? You don't want to do sit down, sit down, sit down over and over again. Then your dog's going to go, oh, well, the sit and the down and the sit is what's getting reinforced, not the two sits. So that, that takes some finesse and, and working that out. But your goal is to work up to a 10 to 1 ratio. Some people think this is insane. Why would I do so much and have my dog respond 10 times in a row before giving them a treat? Why on God's good earth would I do that? It sets you up for the variable schedule. It sets you up perfectly for the variable schedule. The variable schedule says out of the one-to-one -one and the 10-to-one you know, span, whatever you want to call it, our, our, our selection set, if you will, we're going to randomly pick out different ratios to practice. So it might be two-to-one, five-to-one, seven-to-one, three-to-one, four-to-one, nine-to-one, and we're going to keep bouncing around until our dog doesn't know when the behavior is going to be reinforced. They have no idea. They don't know whether they're going to get rewarded every repetition, which sometimes I'll do just to build up a dog's confidence again. They don't know if they're going to have to wait nine times, eight times, seven times, six times, five times. All right, I could, I could decrease every single session. So my dog goes, oh, it's getting easier. It's getting easier. And then I make it really hard once and then I go back to being easy. So you have to throw your dog off so they never know when they're getting reinforced. This is huge in gambling. This is actually the reason gambling is so addictive. Gambling is a dopamine addiction because your brain doesn't know when it's going to win and it has to keep trying over and over and randomly it gets something. There's no rhyme or reason as to why they got a win in gambling. There wasn't a special trick. There wasn't a certain way they pulled the lever or they blew on the dice or whatever it is. And this is where superstitious behaviors come from. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But if a superstitious behavior, here we go, we're, we're getting deep here. If a superstitious behavior works five out of 10 times, let's just say, that, that's generous, five out of 10 times, right? If that works, 
the person starts to believe, ooh, okay, the superstitious behavior worked. Then, you know, in gambling, let's say blowing on the dice. That's a classic thing. So you blew on the dice, then you tossed it, and you won. Oh my goodness, you got variably rewarded. Not yet, but you got rewarded for blowing on the dice. Now you try it the next time, and it didn't work. That's okay, right? It didn't work. You're going to try it the third time. If the third time, right, we're at a 50-50 here. The blowing on the dice might work, might not. If you get rewarded the second time, now you're starting to build the fact that blowing on the dice actually rewards you more than not blowing on the dice. That behavior ends up being more reinforcing than not doing it. So you're going to keep doing it. When everything gets to the the variable schedule, it is insanely difficult to break. That's why gambling is so addictive. Even if you lost 10 times in a row, and this is where that 10 to 1 ratio comes in, even if you lost 10 times in a row, or if by chance you've gone past 10 and you've done 30 or 100 times in a row, you could just keep losing and losing and losing and losing, but the one time you win is enough to negate all of the losing. Now that you understand the variable schedule, let's talk fear. Some individuals who have been in car accidents or have had traumatic experiences end up never getting back into those situations. If you got into a really bad car accident, maybe you never get back into the driver's seat. Maybe the passenger seat, maybe you can you can be comfortable with that, but maybe never in the driver's seat. I actually put a poll out on social media just to see if anyone had gone through that experience, hopefully not, you know, triggering any trauma, but I just had a curious question and almost immediately someone said it's been 16 years since they had been in a car. 16 years. Now, why is this interesting? Very simply, if you only came here for the answer, very very simply, if they got into an accident when they're 16 years old, that means that 16 years from now is when the behavior will start to go into extinction. Whoa. What does that mean? What do I mean by that? That might seem really confusing. Okay. Let's say I start learning how to ride a motorcycle. I've never been on a motorcycle. Personally, I've never been on a motorcycle. It is in my list of things to do to learn how to ride a motorcycle. If I start riding a motorcycle tomorrow, and six months from now, something happens. I get into an accident. Let's just say. Not too traumatic, but enough where I'm like, okay, maybe I need to take some time off, reevaluate my skills. The fact that this event didn't happen for the six months that I was riding means internally in my clock, I'm going to wait another six months to see if it's going to happen again. If the first six months, everything was fine, Things just kind of lead up and eventually something's going to happen, right? In life, things are going to happen. Something is going to happen and nothing happened for six months. So that means my brain says, okay, we got another six months possibly before something happens. We don't know when it's going to happen, but history tells us that six months is probably the area that we should be looking for. So 12 months from the beginning have now gone by. It's now that second section of six months. What's going to happen? Now, maybe I start to get antsy. Maybe an accident does happen because of how antsy I am. Oh, it's the anniversary of that accident. Oh, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, my goodness. 
and then I get past it. Oh, nothing happened. Now, worse than nothing ever happening again is if right after that six-month mark, an accident happens at eight months. Now my brain goes, okay, okay. We don't know if it's going to be six months or eight months from now, right? Every six months, I got into an accident. But it wasn't exactly at six months. It was at eight months. So it's every six to eight months now. Now we start to build out this, this panic, if you will, of just waiting for something bad to happen. Six months might seem like a long time, and it is for my example here. But it's true. The individual who has been 16 years, I bet in another 16 years, she's going to be like, oh, that, that's the, the anniversary, right? Or even just a year. Every year, there's going to be an anniversary. So 16 years might be how long it's going to take for her to get over it. This is what happens with dogs and fear. If a dog is afraid, let's say of people, a dog is afraid of people, you start to train it, work on it, build up their confidence, and you've been working for two, three weeks, and you're going slow, you're trying to build this dog's confidence, and at the three-week mark, something happens, you trip, you stumble, you scare the absolute hell out of this dog. Those three weeks now mean nothing. Worse than that, the next three weeks are probably going to mean nothing. Why does that happen? The fear is now on a variable schedule. The dog does not know how long they have with you before you trip again. The variable schedule says, right, I don't know when it's happening. So now, in terms of fear, I have to be prepared for it. I have to be ready for it in case it does happen. And variable scheduled events and behaviors are insanely difficult to fix. You can't correct it because now you're just going to make it worse, especially in terms of fear. You have to go through the process Right? A dog that's afraid is constantly getting variably rewarded for being afraid. If I get away from the thing that's frightening me, or if I, if I bark, if I snap, if I bite even, if those things happen on the variable schedule, then we have to do it so many times above what our selection was. Let me go a little deeper. If every 10 people your dog meets, they freak out about, I mean, freak out in fear. If every 10 people, that means they have to meet at least 10 people that they can be friends with and not freak out. But that doesn't mean you have to stop at 10 people or that you can stop at 10 people because your dog's still thinking that 10th person is going to be a problem. In fact, you probably have to do 20, 30, 40, 50. I'd even do 100 people. But 90 of those people out of the 100 didn't mean anything. It's the 10 that were the end of every 10 do mean something. Because they're the ones that are most likely in your dog's brain to cause a problem. This is where we go into, right, if you're trying to fix an issue, you have to actually find out what the issue is. Not maybe where it stems from. That's not so important. It is important, but not so important. What is important is the actual issue. What's the actual issue here? I was working with a dog with resource guarding, and I wrote a little bit about this in the dog training cheat codes. 
He was resource guarding his food bowl, not the food, just the food bowl. And it was only after he had eaten. He didn't care about it a little while after, and he didn't care about it before he eaten. After he ate and there was no food in the bowl anymore, he resource guarded the food bowl. And it was a metal bowl. Simple answer, get rid of the metal bowl. Get a different bowl, maybe he won't do it again. But for him, we had to figure out what that tiny piece was. In this case, when a behavior is on a variable schedule, we have to figure out how far into the variable schedule are we? Are we at a 10? Are we at a 20? How many repetitions does my dog do before they get reinforced for the behavior? They could be fine for nine people. The 10th person is the problem, which means we have to go through 10 people and then some. And I hate that phrase, and then some, because it's so vague. <laughs> I can't believe I just said and then some. But you have to go through so much more than you think. This is why dogs jumping on, on people is difficult, right? Person comes in, dog jumps up. This is difficult to work through because of a variable schedule. They get rewarded every five people, which means you don't need to train five people. You have to train 50 people. <laughs> Some of you are going, oh man, there's no hope for me at all. <laughs> That's not true. There's plenty of hope. Because of the variable schedule, we can flip it. So, if your dog jumps instead of sits, you can teach the sit on a variable schedule, and because you're intentionally doing it, you can make it stronger than the jumping. We can replace the behavior. Same thing with fear. So if my dog is afraid and their initial response is to bark and tell someone to back up, we can do the same thing with turning and looking towards me instead of the person. Just ignore the person. You don't have to worry about them. But I'm going to put that on a variable schedule, and I'm going to control the variable schedule, and make it so good, so enticing to be on that schedule instead of the other, do that behavior instead of the other, that they're going to ignore barking and carrying on at the person and would much rather look at me. The variable, the variable schedule, I'm sorry, the variable schedule is the secret to fixing 99% of the problems. If you do not get to the variable schedule, you've only done 60% of the work. To do the rest, you got to do variable. I'm going to even say you're, gonna, you're doing less than 60%. Because yes, you did the continuous, you did the intermittent. But if you don't get to variable, you're never getting off treats. The other behavior still might be on a variable schedule. right? If it, if it works sometimes and doesn't work other times, but there's no consistency as to when it works and when it doesn't, that's a schedule. That is a schedule. It's not really a variable schedule. It's just kind of guessing and being random. But we can control and measure the variable schedule and reward, in this case, where we're talking about fear, confidence. So let's put it like this. If your dog is afraid of stairs and they can go three steps up and then they panic, I'm going to make sure those three steps is on a variable schedule. That means they go up the three steps, they come back down, they get a treat. Go up again, they get a treat. That's continuous. Now I'm going to have them do it twice, then they get a treat. Three times treat, four times treat, five times treat, six times, seven times, eight times, nine times, ten times. They've gone up those three steps ten times in a row in order to get a treat. Talk about building some confidence. Now they're not even using the treat as a reward. They're just like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing it because it feels good. And I get my reward at the end. I get this jackpot at the end. 
Then it's on a variable schedule. I'm going to do three times, then two times, then 10 times, then four times. Now they don't care about the three steps. They don't care about the three steps at all. Some dogs will start to wonder, ooh, what if I take the fourth step? What if I take the fifth step? And you go back to the beginning. Okay, now we're going to go up five steps. One, one, treat. I'm going to go up five steps. Two, three, four, five, all the way up to 10. Then I'm going to do a variable schedule on the five steps. Now, are they afraid of the steps? Most likely not. Not only because they are getting a high rate of reinforcement, right? Especially in the beginning, every single rep gets a treat, so they're getting that continuous reinforcement. But now they're going to explore the steps on the possibility that there's a reward and the, the shot of dopamine they get from hearing the click and the mark and getting the treat. But on the off chance, hear, hear me out here, on the off chance something happened on the stairs, they trip, they fall off. Because of how we controlled the rewarding process to build the confidence, now confidence is on a variable schedule, which if you know anything about confident people, nothing is stopping You know, nothing is stopping them. I don't know where my words are today. Nothing is stopping them. Think about a Belgian Malinois, which is socially accepted as one of the most confident dogs. I've seen Belgian Malinois who are not confident, and this is exactly what I do with them. So for a confident Belgian Malinois, you kind of put them under a certain level of stress where the confidence that's on a variable schedule, meaning they get a lot of reinforcement and they never know when they're going to get it, but if they keep trying, they will get it. They're going to keep pushing through. When we challenge them, when we push them back or we stop them from doing something and then let them go do it, we can actually encourage them to keep trying even though they failed. We are taking that principle and bringing it over to fearful dogs. We're saying, okay, you're afraid of the steps. You're afraid of the tile on the floor. That's okay. You're allowed to be afraid. That's fine. But I'm going to build up your confidence so much, and I'm going to put it on such a variable schedule that whether you're confident or not, you might still explore this next spot. Because they know there's opportunity for high levels of reinforcement at first, and then I'm going to switch over to a variable schedule. If it's on a variable schedule, it is insanely difficult to get rid of. That is a, a rule, <laughs> okay? That is that is solid science right there. Which means you can very easily build up a dog's confidence by putting it on the variable schedule. You just have to know how. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to sit with me and build up your knowledge base, learn more about your dog and how you can help them. If you like what we talk about today, share it with friends and family. You can download the episodes, listen to them over and over and over again. I want to thank everybody who's listening and I'll see you next episode.